Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. myself why do i feel like trash this morning oh yes those sticks those mozzarella sticks i had for dinner two nights in a row did i have veggies no just mozzarella sticks they were delicious 30 to a pack but i had 15 in two sittings because i'm not a monster How is it possible that 1.2 kilograms of breaded cheese has brought me down to my knees on a Sunday morning? But you know what? I'll eat them again because they were two for one and they made me feel happy for a moment and sad when they were done. Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, June 29th. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling with the homie, Tass Mellis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tass? You got the top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey-yo! Hey-yo! The international man of mystery, taking it to the Max Lee Ellis. Friend. <laughs> and finally making the magic happen is J.D. Hello! There he is! Here we are. Shout out! To the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube, we see you. Smash that like button, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Keep sending in your questions and comments for the next Beach Step and Podcast. We'll hit the beach later this week. Email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com. You can tweet them in too, at nodunksinc, that's I-N-C. And finally, go grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. Immaculate items, always available. Okay, fun show lined up. We got the up-down report. We're going to discuss a, a potential Warriors-Raptors trade. What are you doing to me, Hollinger? Wow. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, Scotty Pippen, the summer of Scotty continues. He had a lot to say on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday. We'll get into that. And uh, we'll talk about Team Canada's chances of qualifying for the Olympics. Oh, but we start <laughs> with an NBA. Hey, Matisse Thibel, I saw, is going to play for uh, Team Australia. Maybe we'll get yeah, to that, sure too, really. Let's get to the game from last night, though. The gritty Clippers stave off elimination. Beat the Suns 116-102. Tass, L.A. lives to fight another day. What do you think, man? Why do we doubt these Clippers? Is it, is it fun? Is everybody just like picking on the Clippers? We all doubt that. We, we all talk about basketball. We like to find reasons for a team to, to make them lose, essentially, before they start playing. Excuses. Injuries. Kawhi's out. Now Ivica Zubats was out before that game. Uh, it was announced that they must be heartbroken over game two. The Clippers said, screw that. We're not that team from last year. This team wasn't mentally tough enough. They gave up that 3-1 lead last year in the bubble, but they said the injuries, man, we're going to use that to our advantage. They didn't have Ivica Zubats. They didn't have a center in the lane, but they outscored the, the opponent in the paint 
58-32 by 26 points. They had 13 more buckets in the paint than the Phoenix Suns. We're starting a center. They used their matchups to their advantages. Marcus Morris, they found him over and over and over against, against Devin Booker. Devin Booker and the Suns were fine giving that up. Uh, they dictated that matchup. Ty Lue saying, go at it. He had 22 points, a series high after scoring single digits in the first four games of the series. He had DeMarcus Cousins against Dario Saric as a backup center. He went back to Cousins with no Zubots. He had 15, a playoff career high. Yeah. So, wow. So, That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It is wild. Cousins been around a long time. Not many playoff games, yeah. though, under his belt. But, yeah, really, really strange. And uh, then Paul George with a playoff career high, 41. He shot 75%. And part of that was there's no Zubots in the middle. So he was able to get into the lane. And uh, the Suns really couldn't figure that out. And they... They all banded together. That's the point of this team. I mean, they changed their mental makeup from last season. We all judged them. We all questioned them. Again, no Kawhi, no starting center. They rebound as a team. They played ball as a team. This is a freaking team, and we like to pick on them. Uh, But uh, they dictated this game from the get-go, and the Suns uh, didn't really want to match up. They didn't want to dictate it themselves, so... I don't know. It's fun. It's fun picking on the Clippers. That's just what we do. Uh, but they absolutely are not the same team. And they've shown it throughout this, uh, this whole postseason. So I don't know where this series goes. I mean, they, they could definitely win another game. Yeah, Paul George, fantastic there, TK. Scored 20 of his 41 there in the third quarter. 15 of 20 from the field. Also 13 boards, six assists. He had some turnovers. I mean, he's the point guard out there, really. Had the ball a lot. Exactly. Some were, some were ugly. Uh, and he was getting, like, killed, I thought, by Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson in the first half. They were going at him Relax, time and time guys. again. Like, where is he? Where is he? Uh, but, yeah, he shut them up there in the second half. And this, I think, is his greatest game ever. I, I really do. He's the first ever Clipper with a 40-10-5 playoff game. And a couple weeks ago, he had a game where we were like, ooh, is that Paul George's best playoff game ever? I think this is, like, hands down in an elimination game, putting up these numbers and what he did in the second half. But what do you think, TK? Paul George was great, and as a longtime Paul George fan, I just love to see it out there. (laughs) But I actually thought the way he played it was pretty smooth, and he kind of mentioned it um, in the post-game press conferences, saying, you know, Marcus Morris had it going in the first half. Marcus Morris scored 20 in the first half. Uh, Reggie Jackson had 12 in the first quarter. So Paul George was kind of able to work himself into the game. Now, sometimes with Paul George, it can feel like he's just drifting out there and yeah. he will float through an entire game. But clearly that wasn't the case. In the third quarter, he came out on fire, 20 points, another 10 in the fourth quarter. And that was what was impressive to me was that the Clippers were ready to play from the jump ball. Monty Williams said afterwards, we showed up in the first quarter. They played with desperation. There was just somebody out there to answer every single Suns run. Marcus Morris, like I said, 13 in the first quarter. Reggie, 12 in the first quarter. Then it was Paul George and Marcus Morris in the second quarter. Paul had eight. Marcus, seven. PG, 20 in the third. PG, 10 in the fourth. Reggie, eight in the fourth. There was just always somebody mm-hmm. who was ready to say, we see you coming back, Suns, but not tonight. It was a gritty win for uh, the Clippers, which, you know, 116 points. You're not necessarily thinking gritty, but they played a bunch of small guys out there, and they were the bigger, batter team. So really great stuff from Paul George. I don't know exactly where you put this on the list. It's either one or two with the game he had earlier in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy's hitting the glass. He's getting to the rim when he needs to. And even in game four when he really struggled from the field, I think he went five for 20, right? He took 18 free throws, so the jumper wasn't dropping, but he was doing other stuff to contribute um, for the Clippers, and that's what he said he was doing as well here, too. I can play on both sides. I can rebound. I can assist. I can play defense. Uh, But also, you need Paul George to score. In the second half, he was on fire. 
Playoff P. He's back, baby. <laughs> Cousins asked about uh, Paul George there, Lee. He said, give this dude his flowers, man. I don't <laughs> understand the slander. It's becoming quite silly now. Respect these players, man. Respect these greats. Cousins calling uh, Paul George a great. Um, and, and look, I mean, he finished top three in MVP voting once not long ago. He is awesome. He just has moments where he like is disappears, like Trey said, or it, it feels like he's not in the game. And uh, you, you can't really say that over the last stretch here, though. He's playing the best probably basketball of his career in terms of just like being consistently giving you twenty. He again is the playmaker on this team. That's not Reggie Jackson. Rondo's not playing. He's the point guard. Yeah. Uh, how impressed have you been with PG? Here? Oh, incredibly impressed. And I think look, I think a part of the struggle with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together is sometimes that line of whose team it is is blurred a little bit. But now that that's not an issue, and Paul George is like, it's clear, you're the man, you're the guy on this team. You're going to be our default point guard. You're going to be our best scorer. You're going to be our clutch guy. You're going to have to go out there and deliver. And he does in those big, big moments, even though he's missed a couple of free throws as we know that's been a big talking point but he hasn't let that sort of just seep into the next game he's come back ready and firing and uh that i think is really where why the clippers are still alive in this series that he's he's put these losses behind him and that's why i think he generated the sort of the slander in the playoffs in the past he's also said some silly things after games and in series as well but now he's just letting his game do the talking and i think it's so important that you know you see someone like demarcus cousins who's like what why was he even on the team and then Ty Lue throws him out there and he just bullied Sharish a couple of times there and really got, you know, got some good production out of him. And so Paul George, as you guys were saying there, that sort of first half slander almost coming from Jeff Van Gundy and and, uh, Mark Jackson was weird because it was like he doesn't need to dominate every single possession. If other guys have got it going, that's great for Paul George because you know he's going to have to step up at some point in that sort of second half. Now, I thought Ty Lue, as great as he's been in these playoffs, he took a little bit of a risk at the start of that fourth quarter, leaving George out just a fraction too long it ended up not costing them but I also think that's Ty Lue basically saying to to his team we can't just be Paul George other guys have to go out there and contribute and that that to me is what it is I mean you've got a veteran like Rondo who's basically just out of the rotation when they're shorthanded but he's on the sideline sort of cheering along you know and that to me is is how Ty Lue sort of is able to communicate that message like if we don't need you we're just not going to play you but be ready just in case and uh, that's what guys are sort of saying about Ty Lue is like he communicates so well with everybody on that team whether you're the superstar or the end of the bench guy and guys are sort of really pulling for him and playing for him and, and his record in elimination games is incredible 10 and 2 right now so he took a gamble last night he's like you know what we're going to downsize and see if the Suns can take advantage of that and they weren't able to and also as again you guys are saying there the Clippers jumped out to the start there 7-0 run just to get out that showed they were really dialed in and locked in from the start sort of caught the Suns off guard a little bit and even though the Suns did take a lead late they were never really able to recover from that because the Clippers just knew everything was on the line last night and then their superstar delivered in that uh, second half, particularly in the third quarter. It was so much fun to watch because he's also bringing back the mid-range. He's just not afraid of like, you know what, that's my shot. I'm going to get to my spot. And he was knocking them down last night. He got beaten up. Cam Johnson whacked him in the jaw. Jay Crowder poked his eye out just about there as well. And he went, and he stepped up and went eight for eight from the free throw line. So, you know, Paul George, I, I can't, I, I mean, I dismiss those turnovers because sure, when you've got the ball in your hand 90% of the time like that, you're going to turn it over a couple of times. But ultimately he didn't back away from the moment. He stepped up uh, and, and led his team to victory with, in, a, in a fantastic performance. Yeah, Ty Lue's getting a lot of praise here, too, uh, Tass, as the guys have all sort of sprinkled in there, and deservedly so. Going with man, were you surprised? I mean, they went zone, too, like, uh, pretty early in this game, and and it's sort of like, I mean, Van Gundy did bring it up on the broadcast, it's like, 
where the Suns like weren't even ready for it or something like that. They were letting them off a hook a, a little bit at the start, especially. It got a little more comfortable as the game went on because it's tough to play zone against an NBA team. They're all such great shooters. But it was a hell of a call, I thought, by Lou. And, uh, you know, good things happen when man plays generally. So that's sort of a no-brainer after the Zubats injury. But what else did you see from Lou or, or what he's done throughout this entire postseason run? He's coaching his ass off. For sure. Every button he presses works. I, I think they took DeAndre Ayton out of the game. I mean, DeAndre Ayton uh, should have been more of a factor. Not a, not a post-up guy, but he by far is the biggest player on the floor. There should have been more pick-and-roll run uh, for mm-hmm. him to just draw fouls. Uh, mm-hmm. He should have been able to do that. He shouldn't have nine field goal attempts in, in this game. They, they definitely took him out of their game, and, and they just uh, were hanging out on the outside. They, they didn't look like they had a plan for the zone. Which is strange to say with a Chris Paul-led team out there, but uh, I think that's entirely true. I I think the Clippers dictated absolutely everything. Marcus Morris is going to score over and over and over again. He's going to get Devin Booker on his back, and they're not going to put another guy on him. They're not going to put Mikel Bridges or or Jay Crowder on him and throw Devin Booker out on Patrick Beverly. They they got out in transition, and uh, they decided what they wanted to do, and, and the Suns didn't respond. And it's like the team that has the best dunk uh, always wins, it feels like, recently. <laughs> the, team, okay. the team that dictates pace, dictates pace. We're going to do it that. this way. Reggie Jackson had the best dunk of, oh, of this true. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. A, it was a jammer. Two, yeah, he had two dunks, but the first one was amazing. And that yeah. one caught everybody by surprise, uh, myself included. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Reggie with the, the sneaky hops there. He had a, yeah, he had another. I don't know who played better between Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson in this one. You could convince me uh, one or the other. I'd go, yep, because... Like you said, Morris was killing Booker. Hitting tough shots, though. They were yeah. like, like yeah, they exactly. fade away baseline, then he fade away to the middle, and then Reggie was huge. Go ahead, Trey. Well, I mean, when Marcus Morris is shooting like that, like, are you going to change your defense because Marcus Morris is beating you? Probably not. Like, that's why Devin Booker stayed there for the whole time. I didn't actually think Terrence Mann was the difference in this one. I thought it was Nick Batum. Uh, I think Mann only played like six minutes in the second half, and Batum was everywhere. Uh, in the second half, he got 19 minutes. I think he only scored two points, but he was drawing eight and away from the basket. The ball was moving a lot. He's a little bit more of a passer yeah. uh, than man is. But Tass is exactly right. Aiton has to do more uh, in this game. The guy went from a big beef, nine offensive rebounds to 11 total. The Clippers did a great job gang rebounding. They had bodies on him almost the, old, the whole time. But we've been talking about how great Aiton has looked in every single round of these playoffs. He's been great. Uh, against the Clippers as well, and the Suns obviously look their best when he is locked in and dominating the paint, but last night that was not the case. Uh, just like Paul George, the criticism with um, with Aiton is that he drifts through games and can be a little soft uh, sometimes, and that's exactly what it was last night. He just wasn't, they weren't utilizing him, I didn't think, I didn't think they were running enough pick and rolls to get him touches in the lane with everybody else being five to six inches shorter, but he also really wasn't demanding it. He was kind of, it felt a little bit like the Suns just showed up to take their trip to the finals, but they forgot to win the game and play hard. <laughs> the exact things that have gotten them this far in the playoffs in the first place. Yeah, toughest thing to do is close out a series. You can see why. That team is desperate. They didn't want to go anywhere, and they've come back a couple times already in the postseason in the clips, and uh, we, we keep counting them out, and they keep sort of proving everybody wrong. So, yeah, we got a game six here now, Lili. Uh, you thought it was over last night. A lot of people did. A lot of people thought Phoenix was going to take care of business at home. How do you see this series sort of shaking out from here, or have you just given up at this point? And like, uh, just enjoy both, the yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I, I sort of was angry at myself after the show yesterday because I've been like, don't write the Clippers off. They've right, been resilient. Right. They yep. keep on coming back. They've been down in all three series, and they've never quit at any point, even though, 
you know, they've, they've looked bad at times, but they keep on fighting. And Ty Lu's never made an excuse for the travel and the back-to-back games, or, you know, in, in terms of, like, only day off between games, and they've gone long series. They've played four more games, I think, than the Suns at this point, and Paul George has played more minutes than anybody yeah. in the playoffs right now. So they're not making excuses. That they're, that it, would, it is so easy to write them off, but they keep on fighting. So I actually do think... <laughs> sorry, sorry, Clippers, but I actually do think they can extend it to oh, seven no, games now. Oh, no, that's a kiss of death. <laughs> but, and and, and another, another point, Guy, we haven't really talked about, I think Patrick Beverly was also impactful again yep. last night. You know, I mean, he he's a, a frustrating player because that line of where you sort of go too far is often Patrick Beverly pushing it to the absolute limits. But he is really making an impact. He's getting in people's faces. Chris Paul, I mean, we, we saw that incident last night, which I don't think was a flagrant foul at all on Patrick Beverly. I think that was a, a very... Unf- uh, I think that was the wrong call. I think uh, that Paul jo- uh, Chris Paul was trying to get the contact and Patrick Beverly was fighting around the screen. That that wasn't a flagrant in my opinion, but he got the three free throws out of it. Yeah, we but had the, a first with that, by the way. Steve Javi disagreed Yeah, exactly. With the call. Steve yeah. Javi. Actually, he, he agreed with the, uh, the Jeff Van Gundy, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the thing is, and at, at, I thought at different times as well throughout that game in that second half, there was times where Chris Paul, when he had Patrick Beverly, was like, all right, I, I don't want this guy on me, so I'm sort of going to try to find someone else here. And uh, Patrick Beverly hit a big three. He grabbed a lot of those rebounds early on as well. Like, he's active. So, yeah. you know, he, he uh, remember against the Mavericks when Luka Doncic just walked in and scored on him and basically Tyloo said, right, you're out of here. You're not playing anymore. And now... He's out there starting and playing really well for his team. So uh, the Clippers are not going to lie down. They are going to fight and fight and fight. And I do think we are going to get seven games out of this one because uh, the Clippers have shown there's some, some serious <laughs> resilience there. Ty Lu, Ty Lu, who knows what sort of lineup he's going to go here with games uh, in game six because maybe he keeps it the same. Maybe he uh, tries something else as well. But uh, either way... They've been incredibly impressive, and uh, the coaching, the playing, the way that they've fought and scrapped, being down in 0-2 in each three in uh, all three series is uh, great stuff from the Clippers. Part of this too was that just there was incredible shot making from the Clippers, right? <laughs> I mean, you could say everything we want about Ty Lue and all that, but Marcus Morris hitting those shots, Reggie Jackson continued to hit those shots, Paul George hitting tough shots. I mean. Uh, this would have been a, a, quote, ugly win for the Suns if they clanked some of those shots. But Paul George is stepping up and hitting, you know, miss, missing five shots of his 20. Like, he shot 75%. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just a special night uh, from the Clippers side of things. Uh, so, you know, uh, this it was like they couldn't lose, really. If, if you're going to shoot that well, 55% on the road, it's just that's just tough to top. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Suns have to dictate it a little bit more uh, next game. And uh, that's how they win. But, um, you know, it, 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 we, all, we all definitely doubted this Clippers team. And, and it was weird when they brought in DeMarcus Cousins and weird when they brought in Rajon Rondo. How is this thing going to work? You're bringing back the Sacramento Kings of five years ago? Well, I love this little second iteration of DeMarcus Cousins' career. Supporting guys. Paul George, you're the man. He was with the Warriors. Stephen Curry, you're the man. He was with the Rockets. James Harden, you're a jerk. Uh, why are you treating this team like that, man? Uh, but uh, but but he's changed. Everybody's changed, and uh, yeah, this. I mean, the, the, the Clippers are a brand new team from last year. I mean, that's 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 what we got to look at it and say. And uh, yeah, I, I just you got Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, and Paul George, and Demarcus Cousins shooting well over fifty percent. Yeah, that's some gorgeous stuff, right there. It's tough to beat. Uh, it's. They can't do that two more times. They can't shoot like that two more times. Anyways, mm. the Suns got to bounce back. 
Are, are we going to see Kawhi at all in this series, or is, is that a is that a wrap? I mean, he's not even down on the on the bench. He's a, he's still up there, of course. Uh, he didn't travel with them there again. Uh, or, or you know, who knows with Kawhi? This is the thing. Like we almost never know what the hell's going on. Uh, Trey, if you were a guessing man, he's do we see him at all in this series? No, I I literally who knows. Kawhi Leonard is the only guy who can get away with getting zero injury updates and not <laughs> sitting with his team at home in the playoffs. That's just a little bit of advice for you there in your life. You don't have to tweet about everything. You don't have to talk about everything because you can slide through a lot of stuff if you just stay silent. <laughs> because true. literally any other player would be getting crushed if their team was down 3-2 in the playoffs. We don't have an update on your injury and you're not there really supporting your team. You're there clapping from above, but it's Kawhi, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, is Chris Paul going to show up for this series, though? That's a question I think needs to be asked. Heading into game six here, Chris Paul is 19 of 60 in his three games back. Suns have lost two of those three, and in their one win, they scored 84 points. The man is controlling things out there, as Chris Paul often does. He's slowing it down. It makes it a lot easier for the Clippers to guard them because they're able to get into their switching defense and set things up. Cameron Payne's injury looming large a little bit right here because I think he's been vital to the Suns the way he pushes the pace. He's been great getting eight in the ball and pick and rolls. With Chris Paul, it can be a little bit of a dribble fest, so he needs to be better in game six if the Suns are going to take the victory. But now with Lee picking the Clippers, I think it's already a done <laughs> yeah. deal. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> hey, look, this is good for the show. We said it. We want these series to go long. Otherwise, we got a big gap between the end of a conference finals ending and then the finals getting started. So this is great. I mean, I'm upset we have to hear Van Gundy and uh, Mark Jackson on another call, one or two. I think I've decided you can't have two like curmudgeons, like old farts on the call. You're fine with one but my God, when you just have both of them together, it like gets out of control, I think, personally, Lee. Like, I know we've talked, it should be yeah. Doris. It should be so many more people. And maybe, and maybe it's because we're just hearing them every second night here for what feels like months at this point in the playoffs. It's just like, all right, guys. Yeah. Like, the both of them, it, it's the two of them together. They're like, uh, they're like a less funny version of, uh, who are the Muppets guys? Uh, Waldorf <laughs> If you and reference it, you Stoutler. have to know the reference. Yeah, Waldorf and Statler, is that <laughs> there it? There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hate no, it. I hate it. You really miss Doris. It really stands out so much because she is entertaining. She's knowledgeable. Uh, she brings great energy and passion to the game. And these two almost, it's almost like the ESPN bosses have said, try not to be such downers in the game. And they come out a bit like the Clippers last night, full of energy. And then all of a sudden it just sort of wastes away in that second half. But uh, yeah, you have to wonder seriously though, if they're going to make a change. They won't, but they should because... Uh, Mid-series it, change? I don't think that's happening, but... Uh. No, no, but for the finals because uh, <laughs> yeah. it would be... It would be it, it does take away from the uh, viewing experience for me because mm-hmm. I'm like, a couple of times, I'm like, I'm muting these guys. I love yeah. Breen. Breen's a legend. He's the oh, goat, of course. of course. You know, he's great, but it's just like, I can't listen to... Um, uh, Mark Jackson and that you know talking about Reggie Miller when they were in the playoffs and said you got to go up to him and tell him you're the man someone needs to go up and tell Paul George that it's like okay all right I mean just relax man just calm down so they need yeah, they need a night off they need a night off yeah you know? well, it's been a yeah, long they've got it tough you're right Tass it's very difficult yeah. to call well, a game three hours every second night you're right hey they come do on. their homework Skeets. they're oh, just old thirds man they're just, like yeah. no they know yeah of course they know their stuff they, they, they know way more about basketball than than all of us combined it's the energy and enthusiasm for the game and when it's both of them are like that that's when it's I think you're actually doing a disservice to selling the league that's yeah, it. Of course, that's of course, yeah. that's true. I, I think if you if you take every minute that they have broadcast this postseason, I think they've 
generally been pretty good. Jeff Van Gundy has been uh, uh, a, a pretty bright little tulip. If if you compare him to years past, he has been. Okay. Uh, he has been happier, and he has been on top <laughs> of things. But yeah, he gets pissed off with. Uh, in general, the video reviews. Uh, mm-hmm. I think yesterday the, the the crappy part was there was a flop and there was the, all the flagrants going on and there was plenty. And I'm sure any of us, everybody here would be a curmudgeon as well if they had to sit through many, many video reviews. I mean, we're video, we have these, we're curmudgeons the next day after video <laughs> reviews during uh, like that 30 second, 30 minute. I mean, Skeets, you said, uh, you know, Saturday night's game that was, uh, you know, took 30 minutes to play or took 30 minutes to, yeah, to play three minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you said that was, you know, a nightmare. It, like if you're well, going yeah. through it, I the understand. Is they're it. like this in the in midway through the first quarter. I get it. I, as a, I get it when you hit like uh hour four of a basketball game but it's it's it and they also their bit they're like i'm just tired of the bit where it's like one guy is taking it's almost like they're turned into like a a, a dumb debate show where it's like one guy's gotta say it's a flagrant and the other's guy's gotta say oh, no absolutely not and they literally flip like uh on what appears to be the exact same play they just change it because they're like well somebody's got to play the contrarian so I think Vegati went too far when, when they were talking about the flagrant calls, and he said, I'm tired of the sissification of the game. <laughs> sissification. Yeah, is like, that he's a calling word? it. Is it? Yes, it, yeah. It's like the, it's, yeah. He's essentially calling it like the feminization of the game. What are you talking about? What, 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 what are you talking about? Are, are we saying that women's basketball is not tough? We're comparing right. the, the weak calls to the WNBA. I mean, he went, he went way too far there. With with those words, that was just wrong, and and a lot of the time, yeah, it could be. He's got a lot of smart things to say. I think mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy is pretty spot on, but he went way too far there, and it made no sense. Yeah. If you're mad about the flagrance, which you should be, uh, the sissification is that, that has nothing to do with it. It's just bad officiating at times. What did you think of that one where Lee brought it up? You disagreed with it, but Tass that Beverly one where he got he got called for the flagrant right on the on the Chris Paul where he hit the deck there <laughs> despite you know kicking out the legs and stuff like that if he didn't do the little skip after maybe he wouldn't have been called for <laughs> beverly uh, that was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a, it was definitely not a flagrant foul but yeah. you know you skipped my loo right after it you might be called twice mm. it was it was a double skip too he was, he was playing double dutch not cool dude <laughs> oh double dutch i haven't skipped in a while trey you still skipping Oh, skipping rope? Yeah, yeah, I'm like a once a week skipper yeah. uh, at this point. Got my crossers back. Feeling pretty good about that. Working on my double unders. We'll see. What's a double under when you do the like? Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to be a little quick. Got to be quick. The explosion in your legs is key. I'll give Jeff Van Gundy this. First of all, he gave us milk drinkers versus knife fighters. That's a pro. And also, he's got a little Tony Romo in him, but only. Only on last second plays. He called the DeAndre Ayton value hoop. He's like, watch Ayton rolling to the hoop. Given there's 0.7 seconds yeah, left but... and he's the tallest guy on the court. Nonetheless, a great call. And he also called the Devin Booker buzzer beater last night. He's like, mm-hmm. watch mm. out for them getting Devin Booker the ball running up here. Uh, they did basically uh, the Bryce Drew Valparaiso yeah. play, throw it deep, hand it off. He gave a pump fake, hit the jumper. He's got those down. And I love that milk drinkers versus knife fighters. Okay, okay. Hey, look, maybe I'm wrong. You tell us in the stream team what are you thinking about these guys uh, on the call. I'll say one guy, again, just to go back to him here before we wrap this up. 
I said it, uh, I forget when I said it or what series. I said Marcus Morris might be the ultimate X factor left in the playoffs. And it continues to, to hold true. Like the Clippers are 8 0 in this year's playoffs when he just shoots 50% or better. So when he's hitting wow. those tough shots, like you guys said, which he was, again, I mean, my God, just going baseline fadeaways and then into the middle. When he hits that shots, uh, above average clip for him, I'd say at 50%, though, man, they are a tough out. And that makes sense because. That's a, you're getting that secondary scorer, and he's not afraid, and they're smart. When he's got it going, they go to him. They say, this guy's streaky, man. Let, let's feed him. And uh, he was awesome. But all these guys were Reggie with the plays, the clutch shots and the dunks, like we said, and Cousins doing work in his limited minutes. Big, big win. Uh, Trey, do, do you have a prediction for uh, Game 6 on what? Wednesday night, I guess we run this mm-hmm. back. Uh, what do you think, TK? Are we, go, <laughs> are we going 7, baby? Are we going to be playing a Zaza Pachulia clip on Thursday morning's uh, podcast? Yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? I don't know. I Honestly, I have no feel for it. Do you trust Paul George at this point? Probably. He's been playing 40 minutes a game, scoring at least 20 in every single game of these playoffs. He's mm-hmm. been great. Do you trust Chris Ball? Numerous 3-1 leads blown in his career. Oh. Possibly another one coming up here. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just as smart as picking against Lee. That could honestly be <laughs> the smart move here, but I'm obviously rooting for a game seven, so yeah. no yeah. clips here. This oh, is God. this is the, just the worst situation for the Suns. They they just did not want to have to go to LA now and face another tricky game out there. And obviously, if they lose it, then they've got to defend home court. This is uh, you know, even though they're in the box seat, they're still favored to win. They have another mm-hmm. home game if necessary. But it's just that sort of awkward, like oh, you maybe blew it last night. You know, you just weren't ready to play. And that's again, apart from Chris Paul, those other guys like Aiton and Booker. Everything was cruising along pretty nicely in the playoffs, and maybe they just sort of weren't quite uh, ready and didn't understand the moment there last night and weren't uh, weren't set for it. So this is a very uh, tricky situation here for Phoenix because they want to finish this off. They do not want to have to have a Game 7, even though it would be at home, because uh, that could be a tough thing for them. Anything else to add to this game, this series, uh, guys, before we uh, move on and eventually get to the up-down report? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Oh, one last factor, perhaps, for the Suns. It would be nice if Mikhail Bridges or Jay Crowder could hit shots. Yeah. These were guys who had really solid seasons. We thought Jay Crowder was kind of going to be a big piece for the Suns coming into their first playoff experience. He's one of the few guys, along with Chris Paul, who has been there, done that, went to the finals last year. I think he's shooting 27% from three so far uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Bridges hasn't been much better. He's only nope. at 33%. Those are both guys who could easily get hot in a game six or a game seven. So don't be surprised if one of them actually does. Yeah. All right, well, let's take our first break and then we'll get to the up-down report. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Back with No Dunks right into the Up Down Report. Preparing your tubes. It's the Up Down Report. Yeah, let's see those thumbs in the stream team. Thumbs up or thumbs down. First one, according to the Athletics, John Hollinger. James Wiseman could be on the move, with the Raptors already linked as a potential deal. Per Hollinger, Golden State assured itself of an additional first-round pick when Minnesota failed to land in the top three on lottery night. The Warriors now have the seventh and the 14th picks, plus last year's second overall pick, Wiseman. And there is widespread expectation that the Warriors will use number seven in Wiseman in particular, to seek more immediate upgrades to the roster. And one name to watch, says Hollinger, Pascal Siakam. So the question is, up or down on this idea of the Raptors trading Siakam for a deal like Wiseman and the number seven pick of the draft? Lee, what do you got? I'm going down from the Raptors right now. Um, Look, James Wiseman was the number two pick last season. He started off okay, uh, but he injured. He ended the season basically mainly injured. He's got some potential there. He's got some talent, but it's very hard to sort of see exactly what his ceiling is in a small sample size. And if the Warriors are the ones initiating this trade and they're saying, hey, we'll give you the number two pick from last year, that to me tells you that the, that organization is like, we don't really think this guy is a, is a number two sort of caliber pick, like that maybe he's not that good. So if you're going to give up him and potentially the number seven, and who knows who the number seven pick could be in this year's draft for a guy like Pascal, who has been an all NBA player, didn't have a great season last year. Uh, that would ring some alarm bells for me if I'm the Raptors. I think Pascal can bounce back. I think he's going to be better than we saw this season. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're the Raptors and if you are prepared to trade Pascal Siakam, you can get a whole lot more than that particular package, even though they would then have themselves, because they have the number four pick, they would have the number seven pick, and they would have number two from last year. So that sounds good. But I think from what we've seen so far from James Wiseman, uh, there's more out there to be had if you're prepared to move on from Pascal Siakam. So I would say uh, that's a no from me, doggy. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, doggy. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the Warriors would be like, yeah, this is great. Let's get Siakam in the mix here. Makes sense if uh, the Raps would do it. But, yeah, we're really looking at this from Toronto's side, Masai Ujiri's side, Bobby Webster's side, Tass. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on this? If, if again, from the rap side of things. So proud of the stream team here on YouTube. I'm seeing about 90% thumbs down. <laughs> you gotta go thumbs down. You gotta want more for Pascal Siakam. I know he, his his value is currently at its lowest, but he's 27 years old, and at his ceiling, he's an all-NBA player, which he proved two years ago. Is the seventh pick plus James Wiseman worthy of that? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, may, maybe the seventh pick could be good. I, I don't think this is about James Wiseman and his personality at all. I just think that the Warriors, uh, if Hollinger is right, they just want to maximize Steph Curry's window here. And yeah. so they would trade uh, whatever it took uh, to get a, a Pascal Siakam. I think they would, you know, to make the money work, they would have to actually add Andrew Wiggins. It couldn't just be this 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 deal. Mm-hmm. Or they would have to, you know, sign and trade Kelly Oubre, who the Raptors, you know, would probably move on from. But if, if I'm the Raps, throw in that 14 and maybe we start talking. But if I'm the Raps, I probably, I probably hang on to Pascal Siakam because I do believe at the same time, I understand they may want to, you know, move into the future. And if, if you look at James Wiseman and, and what he did on the floor, he's a pretty good uh, pick and roll guy. He seems like he can work hard. Uh, and yeah, the Warriors kind of moved on from him because they were trying to win ball games, uh, and he was hurt. But uh, I mean, he's a pretty talented guy. 
Uh, so, you know, if you have, if you're the Raps and you've got four and you've got seven and you've got Wiseman and you've got 14, like they should uh, be able to squeeze from the Warriors in this situation, then maybe they're thinking, yeah, this that's pretty, pretty good for uh, Pascal Siakam, um, who had a bad year. But uh, I think they should demand more. Absolutely mm. demand some more. Okay. What do you think, Trey? Uh, a couple of things make this interesting to me. I definitely feel like this has got to be coming from the Warriors because I'm old enough to remember last year at the draft when the Warriors were offering uh, the number two pick for Wendell Carter Jr. and the number four from the Bulls. That didn't happen because it just kind of felt like the Warriors were doing what they could to upgrade their team and that's who the trade idea is coming from. But there's a couple of things that are surprising to me. Like, does DeAndre Ayton really improving and becoming a major player in this playoffs, does that increase James Wiseman's trade value? Does another team like the Raptors look at Wiseman and say, that could be our DeAndre Ayton. He's going to hold it down in the middle. He's going to have some skill offensively when we're punishing small units. I think that's a fair argument, and that's the case you're going to make if you're the team trading for Wiseman. And I also wonder, like, which is going to be a better core in the next five years? Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet, or the number two pick, James Wiseman, plus number four, plus number seven. Right. You're kicking the can down the line a little bit here. You're not going to necessarily be a playoff team next year. I don't think it's cut and dry. I mean, clearly the Warriors would want to do this uh, because it feels like they're at the point now where... They're not going to try to blend youth with uh, with the veteran team. They want to go for the veteran team and actually try and win something while Clay and Curry and Draymond are still there. But the Raptors? I don't know. Should the Raptors go for some younger guys, or do you want them to keep kind of just being a mid-tier playoff team who maybe gets a Kawhi Leonard and goes to the championship? Yeah, it's funny with Siakam. He had like uh, somehow the worst twenty-one seven and five season anyone's ever had <laughs> in the history of the NBA. It feels like because uh, people were down on him and his trade value is low. He was getting into it with Nurse too and the organization. Let's not forget about that. Uh, some clear frustration. But yeah, this does not feel like enough. I guess I'm not the biggest. I like what you're saying about Eaton. Like, can you convince yourself that Wiseman might be that? I get that trade. That does make some sense. Right now, I'm not super high on him. From the Warriors side of things, this is like, of course you're going to do this because. They want to win a championship now with the window, with, of course, Curry and then Clay coming back, hopefully, and Draymond still there. Uh, they have the assets here in picks and Wiseman to move to get a star if they can, but there are just not that many stars available, I don't think, right now. Like, Lillard seems far-fetched. Bradley Beal he doesn't want to go anywhere, he keeps saying, so, and I don't know why Washington would want to move off him. And then Ben Simmons is just not much as, you know, not probably good enough of a star Especially if you got Draymond there. I don't think we want two of those. We've talked about that before. So it's like, well, who's next? Like, can, you know, is, is Ken Siakam be had? You know, they throw that out there uh, just to maybe get conversations going with other teams, uh, knowing like, oh, hey, do we want Wiseman and, and maybe the seventh pick? And, and maybe they're talking to other teams. I don't think the Raptors ultimately do this, though. I think with that core, like you said, Van Vliet, OG, Siakam, hopefully in a bounce back year, and then the fourth pick, whoever that ends up being, like, is it. Is it one of the Jalen's? Is it Mobley? Uh, what do you do with Kyle? Like, that's still a pretty, in theory, that's a pretty good little core there. I don't think that's winning a championship, but that should be a playoff team in the East. So I think they will, uh, they'll stick with Siakam here or at least want a better deal than this. But yeah, 90% of the stream team, you're saying thumbs down on that one, Tess? 
that that, yeah. make, that makes sort of sense to me. That's I had a, a lot. I, I was praising the, the stream team, but now I, I've I'm kind of I'm kind of thumbs down on the stream team. <laughs> oh. A lot of a lot of misinformation happening out there. Oh, oh no. Pascal Siakam sealing All NBA? No way. He was an All NBA player two <laughs> two seasons ago. The season before they played in Florida. Uh, he was an all NBA player. Uh, he is, he is, yeah, that's his ceiling. I mean, that's, that's not a bad ceiling for a young 27 year old. He just turned 27. That's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, can you, is, is he the leader of uh, a bunch of young, solid right. guys that's like Fred issue. Van Vliet, OG Ananobi? Uh, yeah, the, a number four pick. Fair. I mean, I, I, that's, that's a fair question. He didn't, he definitely didn't prove that he could be a number one guy after Kawhi left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also a very poopy year for the entire organization. Could they be one of those teams that does it by committee next season with Pascal Siakam? Sure. They could, they could be a really good team. Absolutely. Next one here. Scotty Pippen doubling down on his claim that Phil Jackson is a racist. During an interview with Dan Patrick on Monday, Pippen spoke openly about that Tony Kukoc play versus the Knicks in the 94 playoffs. Now, Patrick noted that Pip made it seem like Jackson was a racist in the GQ article that we talked about a couple days ago, which is, a, which is an assertion Pippen said he agreed with. I mean, he doubled down on saying, yeah, absolutely. I got no problem saying that. Later, speaking on MJ's decision to step away from basketball to preserve a baseball career, Pippen called the move selfish and said it was kind of who Michael Jordan was. He said a lot. In this interview. I mean, if you haven't watched the clip, it was everywhere on Twitter yesterday. Again, it was Scotty Pippen saying a lot. I'll ask it like this, Trey. Are you up or down on Pippen's, let's call it inflammatory interview <laughs> on the Dan Patrick show? I am up. This is how you sell bourbon. Next happy hour, I'm telling all the secrets of no dunks. Uh, Last summer, it was the summer of the last dance, and to me, that didn't sit perfectly well with Scottie Pippen. So this summer feels like the summer of Scottie and his book and his bourbon, giving us his version of some of the most famous events in league history, quite honest. Um, The Phil Jackson part is obviously the most inflammatory. It's not the first time. Uh, that Phil has been accused of being a racist. You saw a lot of stuff on Twitter yesterday, people pulling up old book passages, old quotes from his playing days and his coaching days and his executive days where Phil Jackson comes off looking like a standard old white man racist, literally old stereotypes about rap music and baggy clothes. This, though, to me, is maybe the first time Scottie Pippen has said anything specifically about it. Like he said to Dan Patrick, Scotty was there in the locker room, and considering some of the things that we've seen that Phil Jackson has said, Scotty has got a case, and he might very well be right about Phil Jackson. It looks like uh, Phil is having a bit of a reckoning here, but that's also only like half of the interview with Scotty <laughs> Pippen here. He gives his version, like you're saying, of Michael Jordan retiring to play basketball. Also, gives uh, Scotty gives his version of Michael Jordan telling Steve Curry's going to hit him with the pass in 1997. Pip kind of trying to make Michael Jordan look selfish. And there's no doubt MJ knows where the cameras are, but it also kind of makes Michael Jordan look like a badass that he called a game-winning assist for the gram before the gram was even invented. (laughs) But really for me, seeing this uh, interview with Scottie Pippen, reading the GQ piece, this is the must-read book of the summer because... It's been 30 years that people have been talking about the 90s Bulls at this point. It felt like we had the be-all, end-all of it last year with an eight-part documentary, The Last Dance. Was it 10 parts? Eight parts? Ten parts? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. That's a lot of stuff. But 
Uh, as Scotty Pippen has said numerous times since then, that was a Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. Now we're getting Scotty's take, and obviously it's going to be a lot different than what we saw last year. Yeah, Lee, what do you what do you make of all this? Did you watch the entire clip? Uh, no, I, I couldn't get through the entire clip actually uh, because I was like, "Oh, Scotty, just uh, sit back a little bit here." Because um, look, I think the thing with the Tony Kukoc is uh, I don't think that's a racist decision by Phil Jackson. I think that was more the jealousy that Scotty and Michael felt about Tony Kukoc because this goes back to before Kukoc became a bull. Remember, uh, Jerry Krause was enamored with Tony Kukoc and he wanted to bring him over for years and it, to the point where at the Barcelona Olympics Jordan and Pippen really wanted to make an effort to show Tony Kukoc that he wasn't welcome basically if he was going to come to the Bulls and so for then Michael not to be there and then for Phil to drop a play that Tony Kukoc would get the winning shot and he made it by the way I think Scotty is using sort of racism to hide behind the fact that he pouted and got shown up because Kukoc hit the game winner so that to me in that particular instance I don't think uh, is, 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 was racially motivated by Phil Jackson. Some of those other things, and LeBron has mentioned about, um, you know, when, when Phil said about the posse and stuff like that, certainly that stuff has old man sort of vibe to it. But in this one in particular, I think, um, I think actually Scotty's he looks kind of bad because it was kind of like he pouted. He was being selfish by not being out there on the court for his team in a crucial playoff game. And then the fact that Tony made the shot, is he's kind of like doubling down by just saying, well, he was racist for doing it. Instead, he could have said, yeah, okay, it was a great, great play call. We won the game. Uh, but he didn't, didn't do that. So, But I also do think that, that that documentary last year, a lot of people, because Michael was the one who had the final say on it, wanted to, would have changed things about how it was uh, uh, perceived and how it was um, presented. And Scotty being, you know, Michael's greatest teammate, probably wanted a bit a bigger say and wanted to have more influence, but uh, he didn't. So he's a little bit bitter and a little bit jealous of that. And uh, he's like, listen, I've got some things to say too. Give me some bourbon and cigars and uh, and we'll have a great time. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's funny though, Scotty. Yeah, he seems to be. Uh, you know, he's taking a few shots right now, and you know what? Maybe that works for him. Go for it, Scotty. Keep going, man. Yeah, you got some stuff to sell. <laughs> uh, he was really leaning into the third person, uh, Scotty Pippen, in that uh, interview with Dan Patrick. There, uh, Tass, what'd you make of the of the clip? Well, as far as the Tony Kukoc play, I think he was drawing up a good shot. Um, but you know, I, I don't think it, it was racially motivated. Uh, but at the same time, everyone defending Phil Jackson for having black players on his team, uh, and that alleviates him from being a racist. Uh, I don't think so. Don't think so. Um, uh, you know, it's the it's the classic. I've got a black friend. Look at me. I'm not racist. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. One doesn't equal the other. So uh, I'm happy Scottie Pippen is you know, coming out and voicing uh, his point of view, and hopefully, uh, it may not come off perfectly well thought out in an interview with Dan Patrick but in a book I assume it would be a little bit more thorough a little bit more uh, you know exactly the way it was a a little bit more uh, actually descriptive of what happened in that locker room and the way things were and Michael Jordan he did have the 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 last say in the last dance that's that's definitely how it seemed like and and Mm -hmm. we all sit back and think you know, as this as this, you know, very good documentary that was put before us, we all look at it and say, Well, Michael Jordan is the goddamn man. Yes, he absolutely is. There there obviously is another side to everything. And so uh Scotty is is is, is coming out and voicing his uh, opinion. So I I'm happy about that. And I think the book uh 
yeah, should be more than, you know, these 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 snippets. Uh, you know, maybe the the racial comment about him, <laughs> about Phil Jackson. Yeah, uh, designing a play for Tony Kukoc didn't come out, uh, you know, all that uh, perfectly and all that well. But you know, maybe the book will be uh, a little bit more uh, well Detailed. placed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. When's the book even come out? I mean, not until November, I think it oh, is. Okay. It's, yeah. So it's yeah. a while, but he's got the bourbon right now. Yeah, and the scars. <laughs> got cigars too well actually sorry i don't know if he's selling them but he had the bourbon and the cigar there well, they go like, hand in hand Lee. Jeez, yeah man. i know that's you what know i'm anything. saying i mean okay. you say maybe he's trying to uh, angle for a uh, cigar contract or maybe well. maybe all right yeah, if you haven't uh seen this interview go check it out if you want to uh final one here the fiba olympic qualifying tournament uh in victoria bc begins today i actually think it's underway right this second here uh the canadian senior men's national team they're hosting the six-team tournament in which only the champion qualifies for a spot in the upcoming Olympic Games in Tokyo. Uh, throw, it, throw it up here for the stream team, JD. 12-man group for Team Canada. 10 players with NBA experience. 8 active NBA players, including Andrew Wiggins, RJ Barrett, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Dwight Powell, Corey Joseph, Trey Lyles, Dort, and, and a few others there. Missing some big names, no doubt, uh, because of injuries, contract situations. There's, there's no uh, SGA. There's no Dylan Brooks. There's no Kelly Olenek and all this. Anyway, Canada faces Greece tonight, China on Wednesday, and then Uruguay, Czech Republic, and Turkey are in Group B. you got to win this thing, Tass, to punch your ticket. Are you up or down on Canada's chances of qualifying for the Olympics in this six-team tournament? Do you see those guys? Did you, did you hear the names that were just mentioned, plus the guys who aren't on the team? This team is stacked. It's a pretty good team. Not bad. Yeah. Come on, pretty good. This team is really good. Without Jamal Murray and Dylan Brooks and SGA, that they can put out this team. If you look across the world in, in all these tournaments, there's actually four tournaments happening right now. Yep. And the winner of each of those tournaments gets a spot in the Olympics. So this one is happening in Canada. They got home court advantage. And the teams that they're playing, uh, they should have a huge advantage over, including... My homeland, my parents' homeland of Greece. They've mm-hmm. only got one Adetokounmpo brother out there, and it's unfortunately <laughs> not the best of the three. It's Kostas Adetokounmpo who's playing. Uh, he's the he's only got a ring, doesn't yeah. he? NBA yeah. champion. Yeah. He, he does. Uh, and, and, and we'll see him. Out. Hopefully, he gets some play time. I'm yeah. interested to watch him play basketball because it's uh, it doesn't happen very often. But he's the lone NBA representative there uh, for for the Greek team. You've got China, no NBA representatives. I don't know if Ejian Leon is still playing, but He'll be there, I guess. You got Uruguay, uh, Czech, no NBA representatives, Czech Republic, Tomas Sadaransky, and then Turkey with some oldies, you know, Ursan Ulis, yeah. Eliasova, yeah. and then a couple guys like Furkan Korkmaz and Jetty Osman. But the Canadian team is freaking <laughs> stacked with Dort and Barrett uh, and Michael Mulder solving things. So, you know, and Nikhil Alexander Walker, Andrew Wade. I mean, that team is just too good. How could they? They should not lose with home court advantage. Absolutely oh, not. Oh, boy. Uh, Nick Nurse, coach of uh, Canada's team, for those that don't know. Uh, you, I, you, you say all this, task, but uh, the Canadian men's national team has gone through some heartbreak before, even uh, at times maybe when they should have won some games. Though it wasn't yeah. on the, in their homeland. They do have the benefit of playing here in Victoria. You get rid of, like, crazy travel times, you know, flying across the world. That's happened before. Uh, you know, some home cooking when it comes to FIBA officials. By the way, if you think NBA refereeing is bad, Tune into a couple FIBA games and uh, make you respect the NBA officials a hell of a lot more. This stuff can get wild. That's all I'll say. But, uh, Lily and Trey, you guys probably don't even care about this question for being honest. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what is qualifying for the Olympics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got <laughs> what it easy. You, up you there have to game. do that? Like, uh, yeah. you have yeah, to you play. Do. 
you have to play in a tournament and win that yep. tournament to get into the next one. They don't just let you in because of the gold medals. Well, I guess they do let you in when you win a gold medal, I think, oh. is, the, is oh. the case. Or when you win a world championship or something like that. Yeah, you don't have this problem with your team. Uh, Lee, I don't think you have this problem because you're in uh, some area where there's like three teams. You, uh, <laughs> New Zealand, some other team. I don't even know. The Cook Islands or something you guys yeah, call Yeah, I think beat. we finished four, three times at the Olympics. We got it. We, we're angling just for a medal. We want a medal. We deserve one. We should have had one. Uh, so, you know, that's the biggest thing for Australia is meddling. Now, our women, they've silver medaled at the Olympics a couple of times. They've won the hey, world championships. Canadian women's team uh, already, you know, punched their ticket to the Olympics a long time ago. They're ranked fourth in the world, the, the women mm. national team in Canada. Mm. They, they mm. want a medal too, like your, uh, like your uh, boomers. Wait, what do you call the... Uh, uh, they called the... Um, boomerettes? No. <laughs> no, no, they're called... Um, oh, you don't know? God, I can't think of it right now. Um, <laughs> I anyway, can't even anyway, say Homer to you. Some Homer. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, that Canadian men's team strutting around with two number one overall picks in the NBA draft—that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Not too many other countries can uh, say that. So, uh, no, to be honest, yeah, I one can't... of yours won't even play for your team. Yeah, I know. Uh, two of them. Good, Kyrie's honestly. in the United States. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, it's but where's Bennett even been? I didn't even know he was still playing. <laughs> Like, he hasn't, you know, I wonder what he's doing these days. But, uh, yeah, look, if you look at the Canadian team without injuries, then, yeah, they, they should yeah. be seriously contending for a, a medal, you know. But uh, right now, uh, they're, they're, they're a bit shorthanded. Um, so, you know, it's probably going to be tough for them if they do even get out of this round to uh, medal. But, uh, uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck. I'd like to see Australia versus Canada in the Olympics. Wouldn't uh, that be awesome? That'd be nice, yeah. Look, yeah. Canada... I think- Canada has barely ever qualified for the Olympics here, guys, the men's team. Yeah. 2000 happened, Nash playing, and I mean, I want to go, I think it's 88 or something. I mean, it almost never happened. So, you know, with all this talent that has they made come 2000. up in this country. They made the to make 2000. The That's what I just said. Oh, sorry. I thought you said 88. What yeah. was that? Well, they also made it in 88. Oh. Going way, way back. I believe they did. Um, yeah, they should have a, a good you know, national team because we have a lot of NBA players. So if they can get all of these guys to start committing, like Andrew Wiggins coming back is honestly sort of a big deal. He had a falling out with the, with the program and you know, there's new, you know, Rowan Barrett now in charge there and he's back in the mix. I hope to God they win this thing and actually just play in the Olympics. They wouldn't medal. They wouldn't come close. I don't think, but that would be a big step for this, for this program test uh, to win this. And, and look, there's going to be like 10% capacity in these uh, arenas. Like it's not going to be a full house. Um, it's going to be really quite barren, but better than, again, like I said, traveling to the other side of the world and having like three days to get ready and all that. We'll, we'll, we'll see here as it tips today. Yeah, excited for Wiggins. I, I think Golden State has changed him, has made him a different type of player. He's got a different type of confidence, and I think that, that shows in his decision to, to play for the national mm. team again. That wasn't the case for a long time. And on the other side of the world, in Lithuania, uh, you got Luka Doncic trying as well to qualify with uh, his Slovenian team uh, for the Olympics as well. So, yeah, there's something to keep an eye on there. It'd be nice to have Luca in the Olympics as well. Yeah. Go Canada. Canada, Greece, though. So who, who are you cheering for then tonight, Tass? I mean, who do you go? Uh, I, I am can't just going to enjoy yeah. the basketball okay. game. Because, yeah. because they both, uh, basically, this is, uh, yeah, there's six teams here. The, the two worst teams get knocked out, and then there's a four-team semifinal this weekend. That's when I'll start really cheering. I'm just okay. going to enjoy some hoop-de-hoops before the other hoop-de-hoop game starts uh, here at the Atlanta Hawks. 
Yeah. Is uh is Canada the favorite for this tournament? They I actually assume are. so. They got a lot of NBA yeah. players and home court advantage. Yeah, they are. Like if you look at the Vegas odds. Um yeah. But like Czech Republic always are a sneaky good team. Turkey, like with all their old guys, like it's that. I mean, we know this. Even like Team yeah. America has run into teams where it's like, sure. well, these guys have just played together for like twenty yeah. years. Like they're pretty damn good, even though they don't have maybe the individual talent. Uh, but yeah, Nick Nurse is the head coach, and with some of the talent, uh, Canadian play- or NBA players on this squad, yeah, they they should they they should win this thing, especially being at home. So I'll uh, obviously be rooting for them. Uh, Trey, you might be uh, cheering for Turkey uh, in this tournament because they've got a guy who apparently is on the Miami Heat roster, like currently a member of the Miami Heat. His name is Omer Yurt7. I know you like yurts. Oh, Yurt, and I think there's a there's a Trey on Canada's team, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't know who Lyles. I'm pulling for in Turkey. What? Oh, they got two Trey's. Trey Lyles and uh, Trey Bell. Trey yeah. Bell Hines, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that's right. Three man. That, three that's man. Uh, that's the game I'm tuning in for. Turkey versus Canada. <laughs> wow. Three trays on the court, Hopef- or two trays and a yurt. If you will. <laughs> hopefully, that's the uh, game to decide who goes to Tokyo. Because you gotta win this tournament to get there. Okay, yeah. that's enough Team Canada talk. <laughs> but maybe we'll be sprinkling it in uh, throughout this FIBA uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. Okay, JD, time for Tweet of the Night. Mm. 
Tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, tweet of the night. Uh, I love it. Tuesdays. It's all I got to tweet of the night every Tuesday. I love firing it up my uh, my Twitter feed there and scrolling <laughs> down and uh, just agonizing really about what tweet <laughs> I'm going to use. And uh, well, this one caught my eye, and there's a reason. But uh, this is from Bald Brian, Brian Bishop of yep. the Adam Carolla Show. Uh, he's the sound effects guy, the guy we stole the drops idea from. Anyway, his tweet says, the next one's going to have to be called The Fast and the Fur 10 Us, isn't it? For like <laughs> the furious, but 10 uh, in the word furious. So why did this catch my eye? Well, I realized that there are 10 Fast and Furious movies already, including Hobbs and Shaw, and... Uh, now I don't I don't know if we've actually mentioned this on the air because real life and the show blurs for me. I never know what's been mentioned <laughs> to our audience and to us internally, but we the off season's coming up and we're planning a fast and furious binge of sorts yep. with Trey and Skeets because Skeets you have not seen a single Fast and Furious movie. Not a, not a single... I've never even caught, like, five minutes on television. Never. Wow. I mean, wow. of course I know of them. I have an idea of what some of them are even called, some mm-hmm. of the big uh, actors in them and actresses, but never seen a single second of them. So, yeah. Right. It's time uh, I, I, I watch these things and Trey's the master. Uh, right. So, it just makes sense for a newbie to then watch with the, uh, with the pro there in TK. Yeah, and so very excited about that. So, uh, the audience, the stream team... And uh, the people listening on the pods over the off season, you are going to uh, be delighted to follow along. And if you've never seen them, start watching them because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna watch them too because uh, I got to do these dumb shows. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll come with my hot takes and sure. uh, some thoughts. Why not? Right. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. So just uh, look uh, uh, coming soon. To a feed near you. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, so we we're trying to come up with a name for the podcast. Right. Uh, and so if you have a suggestion, you know, tweet them in at No Dunks Inc. Let us know in the stream team right now. Let us know in the YouTube comments. Email them in, no dunks at the athletic.com. Right now we're going, we're thinking of going with, let's just throw it out there, see what the reaction sure, is. We're thinking yeah, of going yeah, yeah. fast and furious and us. You know, keep it simple. I think that's great. Yeah. Right? And we want people searching for Fast and Furious as the first part of it. Fast mm-hmm. and Furious and us. The old right. ampersand sign there yeah. a couple it, times. It yeah. kind of implies that we're neither fast nor furious, right? <laughs> True. Because it's yeah. the fast and the furious and, well, us. Well, I don't know. I might be Temper Boy on these podcasts. Cool. I might be furious. I'm pretty fast, too. I, man, Jesus. I don't know. We might need a name. We also had a Too Fast, Too Curious. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. <laughs> it feels like, I, like I, we said that in the Slack channel. I'm like, this must already be a podcast name. Somebody's already done this, right? Yeah. Uh, that's got to be one. But I don't know. I didn't check. Yeah, uh, there's so a have... surprising lack of Fast and Furious specific podcasts. Wow. I would imagine that every movie has been... Uh, casted at some point sure. but uh yeah. for linking them all together we're gonna be in our own lane oh very nice yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, yeah. coming, we're coming oh, up right yeah. now with uh we've had some good brainstorming sessions of like categories like some simple ones of like the best quote 
and like the WTF scene from that movie. I think what we got to do at the end of everyone too, Trey, I thought about this after uh, we were talking, like we got to rank them like as we watch them, like, you know, okay. where, where does that one stay? <laughs> yeah, sure. like, is number right. one the best? Does that always continue? And we'll do that. And then That's we got good. a bunch of other funny ideas too. Uh, might even get our wives involved in this thing. So, uh, <laughs> wow. yeah, that'll be great. Well, JD, you're going to be instrumental because you're the only one who knows anything about cars. So, uh, <laughs> that's going to be key there. Okay. Nas dunks. That's a, that's a pretty good <laughs> that's one. That's pretty good. Uh, that, that is pretty that good. That's funny. That's funny. That's not bad. Yeah. Keep them coming, guys. We're open to all your suggestions. Right now, it's Fast and Furious and Us. And, uh, well, yeah, we're gonna be kicking this off. Uh, what in July or is that no? Do I August? Maybe August. Yeah, probably August. Yeah, okay. August and September. The okay. off season, you know. And are we watching them in the order of release? Right, Trey. We're gonna watch because, them in release order because okay. uh, the chronological timeline order can get oh a little boy. wacky, as oh you're gonna boy. learn once we get <laughs> into the series. Oh and I haven't boy. mentioned it; uh, it does feel like we're gonna have to do Hobbs and Shaw, as this is gonna be the next franchise that spins off from Fast mm. and Furious. But <laughs> there's also a Vin Diesel short that's set in between some of the movies called <laughs> Los Bandoleros, where he's literally explaining what has happened off camera. What is it, what's happened like in the Fast and furious averse, uh, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> wow. I don't know if we're going that sicko deep to watch Los Bandoleros, but uh, we'll have to debate it. All right. Well, hopefully this goes well. We, we do our binge watch. We do all our episodes. Because then if it goes well, JD, I want to then go back and do an episode on every episode of Bar Rescue. Oh. With John Taffrey. <laughs> <laughs> that actually does exist. That podcast already exists. But, really? Uh, yeah, we could add our own little it's spin gotta to it. has got to be the most redundant show of oh, all time. I know. I know. But there are some funny-ass moments in Bar oh, Rescue. God, like, I love that it. show. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one, too. Okay, so Fast and Furious and Us coming to you later this summer. Good tweet. Okay, tonight we got one game quickly here. Yesterday, Trey Young had an MRI on his ankle. He's been diagnosed with a bone bruise in his right foot, listed as questionable for tonight's Game 4 task. So he's the storyline heading into this one down at the Fortress here. But uh, anything else you'll you'll have your eye on in this huge Game 4 for Atlanta? I mean, I don't think you'll want to fall behind 3-1, but what do you got? Well, I'm very, very concerned about Trey Young uh, because I think he's tough as nails. From the outside watching in, I, I don't think that he would have this like keep him out, this bone bruise. But he did put on Instagram after he got back the uh, mm. the MRI info. So frustrating with two sad faces. Now, uh, I don't think uh, I think I think there's there's no cryptic information here. I think he's just on the nose here. He's pissed. Thanks for Chris Kirshner to, uh, for, for sharing that because I think he's upset and I think you guys might not see a great Trey Young. Um, I, I, I think Trey Young, uh, you guys as it Skeets and JD, you guys are going down. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about you guys. JD joining in on the fun. Yeah. Because uh, if Trey, you know, as much as he's been ridiculed uh, for not having great fourth quarters, he's hit two fourth quarter shots in this series. One of them he didn't play in because it was a blowout. Uh, the thing is, they don't have him. They're done. Uh, if they have a 50% Trey Young, they're done. He has been so, so, so instrumental. It's the number one player on the team, and then everybody is way behind in the number two, three, four spots, especially Bogdan Bogdanovich not being himself. I'm worried. I'm definitely worried. I'm reading into an Instagram story, but I'm reading into it, especially the way he was, you know, he, he didn't want to. Uh, handle the ball a lot in that fourth quarter after stepping on the referee's foot. So I'm 
quite concerned. Ah, this is what he's doing to you, Tass. Don't you see it? I mean, if the playoffs are a stage, Trey Young has been the lead actor for the entire postseason. And he's just what, building the drama. Is this a Fast and Furious podcast? No, he's just building the drama. He's got you suckered, man. He's playing this up. We're going to get the best Trey Young game of his life here tonight. Because mm. he has you doubting. He's got, oh, so frustrated. A couple emojis. Uh, the black screen there on his Snapchat or whatever the hell that was. TikTok. I don't know. He's just, uh, he's just setting us all up for what's going to be special. I mean, you really should get your uh, standing room ticket only here. And come on down, <laughs> Lee. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, go- I'm heading down tonight. We'll see. You're right. We need a... You got to hope for a, I don't know, even a 70, 75% Trey Young, or I don't like the Oops. chances uh, <laughs> uh, of the Hawks. <laughs> we got to show it again. It's that amazing uh, of, a, of a screen share. Um, but yeah, what are you watching, TK? Okay, outside of Trey Young, is there anything else you got your eye on? Well, I hope you're right, Skeets. I hope he's pulling a rope a dope here so he can Hopefully. be like Vin v- Diesel 30 minutes into the first Fast and Furious movie. You thought you had me? Never had your ankle injury because it looked bad and he <laughs> really didn't do it. I know, I know, I know. What am I getting I myself into? Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of basketball talk in uh, the first Fast and Furious. For the for the remainder of the series, it really picks up. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Hawks had a lead going into the fourth quarter and then Trey Young, all he was able to do was stand in the corner. So if he's not really able to go tonight, if he doesn't have that Nas kicking in, then... It's going to be over quickly. Let's, though, assume that Trey Young is uh, sandbagging here, and even though he's frustrated, he's going to be fine. Somebody else still has to step up and take a little of that scoring and creating lead uh, off of Trey Young's shoulders to give the Hawks a chance here. Because, like, Danilo Gallinari, he was all right uh, in Game 3. You know, he scored 18 points, and if he shoots 50%, that all looks good. But those 50% that he misses, the possessions are still the exact same. Just pounding the ball, pounding the ball. Maybe he makes the fadeaway. Maybe he doesn't. Game seven, Kevin, he's got to do a little bit out there because Bogdanovich, he's not at 100%. We don't think Trey Young probably will be. So Kevin Herter seems to be the guy on the perimeter who can move the most for the Hawks right now. Hasn't had a great series so far, but we've seen in the past that he can heat up. If he's able to get hot from mid-range, if he's able to make a couple of plays off the dribble, that would be huge for the Hawks keeping it close. Lily, anything to add? Real chance here for the Bucks to uh, squeeze the Hawks. And uh, Will Budenholzer will be able to do that. Just pound Giannis inside because there's no real way to stop him. And even though Middleton was the uh, was the big difference in the fourth quarter of Game 3, Giannis can get it to the point where they don't need a heroic performance like that because uh, if he does dominate and take over inside, it really doesn't matter about Trey or, or Kevin Huerta or uh, Boggy anyway because uh, Giannis has been and has shown that when he gets inside, he can absolutely just destroy the Hawks. So will Budenholzer take that chance tonight to give themselves a chance to close out this series at home, which would be huge for Milwaukee to get a little bit of rest because they'll be on the road uh, if they face the Suns. Actually, I'm not sure about the Clippers' uh, record, but um, I think it's important for the Bucks just to close this one out as soon as they can, if possible. Uh, and if you're going down to the Fortress tonight, we're not counting out loud quickly when Giannis is at the line. Uh, no, get your iPhone, open the app, the old uh, timer uh, uh, app there, and set it for 10 seconds. Make sure your volume's up really loud. We'll all click it at the same time as soon mm. as he gets the ball, and then I want the whole arena's uh, little alarms to go off. See what that, see if that works any better. Though we went 6 of 13, so I guess your counting did pretty good. You guys uh, speeding him up there a little bit. All right, should be fun. JD, can't wait to see you down at the Fortress. Uh, yeah. What, what, like, what? What made you decide tonight was the night of all nights? Well, to, to the, the, the tickets went below a hundred bucks for once, so it's true. Uh, it was uh, suddenly affordable. Unfortunately, probably because uh, Trey got injured. But yeah, I I have one 
NBA jersey, and it's a Chris Middleton jersey. I'm kind of tempted to wear it. Is it is it a Chris Middleton Pistons jersey though? That would be perfect, JD. Nah, it's a Bucks jersey. That's awesome. JD will be the only guy counting slower than ten seconds. One, two. Oh, yeah, I, I I usually wear you know I usually go see Raptors games there, so I'm I'm used to rooting against the Hawks, but I, right. I can't do it. It's the it's yeah. it's the playoffs, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you want the series to go long, you want to see them tie it up, make it a best of three. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Just wear. I don't know if they're wearing red again tonight. I don't know if they're wearing uh, maybe their MLK jerseys tonight. I'm not sure. Yeah. I didn't check. So uh, we'll t- we'll talk uh, <laughs> we'll talk off podcast, Judy, we'll and uh, coordinate what we're wearing tonight. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll call it there. Uh, later this afternoon, though. Trey and I are going to have a new Top Shot Hot Boys. If you want to come uh, join us, rip some packs. We'll give away some moms later this afternoon, probably about 4.15, 4.30. Just make sure you subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube so you know when we're going live with that one. Keep your questions coming for the Beach Steppin' Podcast, nodunksattheathletic.com. Keep your uh, podcast name suggestions coming for our uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious and Us Right Now uh, series that we'll be doing later this summer. You can email those in, tweet them in, all that stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Back tomorrow Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, for the Hawks to win tonight, they're going to need a Trey Young performance uh, like he's a Fast and Furious Tyrese Maxey or, or a, a Vin Baker Diesel or a Jordana Corey Brewster out there. <laughs> Brace the day, people. You could stay.